0: You're listening to Behind the Headlines, a weekly news talk show hosted by the Express News Group, publishers of the Southampton Press, the Eastampton Press, the Sag Harbor Express, 27east.com, and Express Magazine, and featuring distinguished journalists from the East End to discuss what's news on the North and South Forks of Long Island. I'm Bill Sutton. I'm the managing editor of the Express News Group. I'm joined this week by my co host, Annette Hinkle, who's the arts and living editor for the Express News Group. Good morning, Annette. Morning, Bill. How are you? Good. Our panelists this week are Denise Civiletti, editor of Riverhead Local. Good morning, Denise. Good morning. Beth Young, editor and publisher of the East End Beacon. Good morning, Beth. Morning, Bill. And Joe Workmeister, staff writer for Newsday. Good morning, Joe. Good to have you here. Good morning. Glad to be back. Um so let's jump right off into into elections. There was a, a, an election this week. We're all very well aware and I think we're all recuperating a little bit from that. Um so I was struck by the uh, the blue wave in um Southampton and and East Hampton and I guess Southhold which which was a, a distinct difference from the the rest of long island and riverhead um obviously where where uh republicans did um did, did really well um what, what do we think accounts for that i i, I think in in southampton anyway it, it's a matter of getting out the vote um um you know maybe that's that's part of it i i think the you know the the um the election the um registration numbers in south hill southampton are like one third, one third, one third. So so obviously there's there were some independent voters that, you know, that that voted uh, voted Democrat, um, but um, on the county level and, and certainly in Riverhead, Denise, um, you, you saw pretty much a, you know, the the GOP took uh, took all the seats, right? Are you recovering? Or are you are you? About third.
1: <laughs> third sweep in a row, um. You know, this year, am I recovering? I yeah. It's interesting being the only sober person in an entire building. <laughs> well, maybe not counting the wait staff. I don't know. But like, <laughs> that was like an interesting experience the other night.
0: Well, that's Star- my life Western. for the last 30 years. <laughs>
1: um, <laughs> but it was it was very intense. Um, you know, I, I think the name of the game, as you pointed out, is turnout. I was just looking to hear the, the, Spreadsheet that I have of you know registered voters in Riverhead by party and um, you know active voters according to the Board of Elections um, by election district. Still waiting for the Board of Elections to release. I think I don't know. Last I saw, we we didn't have the ED the breakdown by election district, right. which I think in this election is going to be interesting, but. Um, You know, I'm interested in in seeing what the turnout was like um, in the districts in Calverton and the western part of town in particular, Waiting River in Calverton, where there was a a very large uproar about the cargo airport that was that's been in the news that was proposed. And and then um, very like with some very fortuitous timing. um, um, Denied. And, um, you know, the contract canceled, which
0: by, um, by, by the Republican board, right,
1: by the Republican board, by the uh, Republican board appointed um, industrial development agency, several members of which the board of the industrial development agency were at the Republican um, election night <laughs> soiree the other night. But, um, you know, it's. It's going to be interesting to see what the turnout was like in those particular districts. Tim Hubbard said to me um, prior to the election, after the, the town board voted to declare the contract null and void, which happened the day after the IDA on October 23rd, the IDA um, rejected the application of Calverton Aviation and Technology for financial assistance to develop the parcel at the uh, Enterprise Park. But um, Tim Hubbard said to me, um, this will be a stake in the heart of their campaign. And, um, you know, he wasn't talking about a ribeye. (laughs) Mm -hmm. He was talking about the kind of, you know, fatal blow. Um, And that's because and he was speaking of the Democrats campaign because they really, really, really focused on that um, almost to a fault. I mean, once that was sort of taken off the table. A week or two before election day, um there was not it left them just like scrambling no, basically um
0: no, nothing, left her, nothing left nothing left They anymore.
1: didn't have anything much to say. that was so much the central you know campaign for them that you know they just they they were just sort of i don't know you yeah, know, I don't know how they were as blindsided by that like how did they not have a plan b? I have no idea yeah. but but they seemed to be. And so it's going to be interesting to see if voter turnout was not at all increased in the districts where that would have mattered most. Um and, and so uh, obviously you, know,
0: you think if that hadn't happened, then you would have had the <laughs> Democrats in Calverton coming out in force, they were And, and very, Waiting very, River. Very, I mean yeah. Waiting
1: River is like one of the most populous, you know, election districts that those election districts in Waiting River are the most populous in the town. And Very often, you know, if I mean, basically, I don't think you can win election without winning the Wading River districts. Mm -hmm. And they're pretty Republican also um, by by broad margins, by large margins. But like, you know, overall, the turnout in this election was about what it's been in Previous elections over the last decade, I look back, you know, and it, it it's ranged from like, you know, 36 to 41 percent of um, registered voters that are deemed active voters by the um, Board of Elections. Now, active voters, I forget how they cl- classify what's an active voter, but you can vote in presidential elections and not local elections and still be considered an active voter by right. the Board of Elections. So. I don't know how meaningful that designation is because it's a vast, you know, turnout is vastly different as we all know in ele- local elections from, you know, national elections. So, um, you know, this this the la- the average voter turnout over the la- last decade, 2013 to 2023 was 38% of the registered
0: voters. So, that's a pretty high number, isn't it?
1: Um well compared to you know it's funny, I want I looked at this several years ago, and the farther west you go, the lower the voter turnout is. Mm-hmm.
2: Um,
1: and I don't I think there are good reasons for that, and it's not I don't think a coincidence, but um, you know, there are 23 as of November 1st, there were 23,576 active registered voters in the town of Riverhead, and you know. Total in this election of eight thousand six hundred and thirty-six of those voters turned out to vote in this past election.
0: Have, so, have you guys have you guys heard anything? I, we were talking to um, Kathy Burke Gonzalez, who's who's the um, supervisor elect in, in in East Hampton, the other day, and she was talking about a a, a proposal that Governor Kathy Hochul is is putting up to change. Town election laws. So well, count, it, yeah, town, it's town actually elections. passed
1: the legislature. It's okay. been passed by both both houses, the legislature, and it's now awaiting her signature. Um, and that would change the local election year to the the even, even number.
0: Years. Even numbers, so so they would. Um, be in conjunction with with the with the national elections and congressional elections. What do we-
1: yeah, and and there's a very strong partisan split on that, from what I understand, um, because the turnout would change vastly. Um, I don't know how that would if I mean, considering what we've seen in Suffolk County and in a Riverhead in those congressional and and presidential election years, um, you know. It's that there's been a red wave that Riverhead is at least has been in. I don't know what that might do on other towns on the east end or other towns in Suffolk County, but you know, it's I don't know. I mean, like, I don't think that's going to change the outcome of an election from what I've seen. Of you know, if it'll make our jobs a lot
0: harder. <laughs> well, that's what I was going to say on, a, a on a the behind, the, a behind the headlines comment is I mean, that's just. A lot more to cover. I mean, on, on an election here. <laughs>
2: yeah,
1: that's true.
0: Did,
2: uh, they be able to, to kill everyone off. on the sheet? Yeah. Is
3: this, did is extra this the being it. driven by like any one party? Like, is it more Republican um, venture? No, so from what I understand, it's more of a Democratic initiative. Yeah. Huh. Okay.
2: There's I guess the idea of being more people, more blue voters come out during presidential races, and that could help swing. Local races, then, if it's in the same time. I party. mean, but well, that's not how it's reason. worked out here. I mean. I know, right.
3: And it seems like that would depend on who's maybe in power at the moment, you know, like that could also switch back and forth. I don't
1: know. Things are yeah. going to get mighty quiet at the Suffolk County Board of Elections in Yapank for. <laughs> yeah. <Is there> anything <laughs> going to happen in
4: the odd years then?
0: I, I'm sorry, what was that, Beth?
1: Would anything happen on
4: the odd years then? Just special elections, ballot proposition? I mean, well, so,
0: so, so some judges or well, well, exactly, Joe. I mean, <laughs> those
1: hotly uh, uh, contested judges elections.
0: So, so the judges, the judge elections is part uh, is is in the odd years according to the state constitution. So they would have to stay in the odd years unless the constitution was changed
2: are those it,
1: real elections anymore come on
0: there were a couple couple contested ones on the on the south fork um you know they don't campaign a, a lot the judges but like local judges the, the, local the justice, justice court judges the local the, justices
1: yeah. yeah oh yeah that would be
0: but i, I don't i don't i mean I, I guess there would be a movement to change that but then and what would we do on the odd years? I mean, we'd be able to. Sleep yeah, then you in just get the people
3: on sabbatical. <laughs> <I don't laughs> be, yeah, part. we get our sabbatical. <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
0: So, 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 Beth, what what do you think accounts for the 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 remaining Democratic stronghold on on the South Fork and and, and South Hold? I mean, um, you know, you see you see that that red wave everybody everywhere else, I think, but. Um, but I the was democrats did really well.
4: I was a little surprised at how well the democrats did in Southampton because they yeah. had been trending red the last couple of years. Um, Southhold's democratic party has gotten really organized in the last couple of years,
0: right? And um, well, and, uh, and in East Hampton, I mean, the, the democratic yeah. party has just been super strong for, for a for, decade now, right?
4: Yeah, um, but Southhold has. Has had a Republican town supervisor for the past 18, I believe 18 years, uh, Scott Russell, and uh, he uh, is not seeking re election this year. And uh, there was uh, uh, Suffolk County legislator Al Krupski, who was actually also the candidate on the conservative line. So he's a very bipartisan guy. Um, and he's well, well known in South Hold. Uh, his opponent Don Grimm, he's a local uh tow truck driver, um, who uh God bless him agreed to run against Al Krabsky, probably knowing that he wasn't going to uh do very well, but he showed up for everything and um you,
0: you uh, gotta, you the gotta love so. the fall on their sword candidates, right? Yeah.
4: yeah. Um, so so that was a race. Uh Jill Doherty uh, uh, who is also a Republican, was most likely reelected. elected uh, There's about 165 votes between her and Gwen Schroeder and about 260-some-odd um, outstanding absentee ballots. Um, but Jill's pretty confident that she got that seat back. She worked really hard on the town board for a bunch of years. So yeah. I think in Southfield, a lot of people know everybody personally, and...
0: Um, so party maybe doesn't, doesn't, doesn't matter as much.
4: Party lines as much.
1: Yeah. Mm-hmm. But do you happen uh, to know if, like, the voter enrollment... Like, there's been a demographic shift in absolutely. Southland. And do you know what impact that's had on voter, you know, enrollment there? And if there are more yeah. registered Democrats than there used to be? or uh, As of last year, the dem- there were more registered
4: Democrats than Republicans for the first time, maybe... Okay. in in a very long time. I haven't checked this year, but they had been working really hard at upping their numbers in the recent years. That's one of the focus of this um, newly invigorated party organization, and the organization has really paid off for them.
1: That's the name of the game. I mean, that's what gets voters out to the polls, right? I mean, and, and I think that overall, the county Democratic uh, party organization is very weak and ineffective. I mean, it does not support local candidates and the local organizations in any way that I've seen here in Riverhead, anyway. Um, yeah. And and you know they're on their own. And, and Riverhead has not gotten its act together to get organized in the way Southold has. Um, and I think that's a good part of what you're seeing here um, it, so, locally.
0: So- so Southampton too i think the you know the Southampton democratic party did did a good job of supporting you know its candidates this year um where, where maybe um you know the 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 town republican um committee was was a little less active and and being polite a little um insider insider baseball um you know i mean we we kind of look at who's who's paying for election ads um and um you know the Democratic side in Southampton it was the Democratic Party for the Republicans it was the individual Republican campaigns that okay. were paying for ads and I think that that's you know and and you know certainly they had a lot of ads but it, it um that's a little telling of who's who's putting those um uh, those those ads out you Beth you had mentioned that um that that Al Krupski had both the Democratic and conservative line and I noticed in Southampton two um Maria Moore who um, won by a, a, a supervisor race by a, a wider March margin, margin also had the conservative line as did um Bill Pell who won a, a town board seat um and that's something that um that I haven't seen a lot of the the Democratic conservative um you know in, endorsement there and I'm just wondering um I I don't have the numbers to know how well that that third line help them out. But it it certainly, I I think, was um, uh, Maria Moore won by a a wider margin than a lot of people expected.
4: Yeah, definitely. And I think, you know, Cindy McNamara has really been sort of uh, running as a a populist candidate for a very long time, even before she was running. And I really thought she would have done better given her or how vocal she's been about issues that matter, particularly in places like Hampton Bays with the uh, battery storage system. Right. Moratorium, tr- just trying to really take the side of the people who were um, outraged about it and trying to do something about it. Um, and the, she had billboards everywhere saying, you know, workers for Cindy, So right. um I mean yeah. you, you can't go by the billboards I guess it,
0: billboards. it was a little surprise and the big surprise in the race I think was that um that Republican Rick Martel who's who was the incumbent right. uh, did, didn't uh didn't didn't get reelected um it was a, it was a thin margin um but um I I think everybody was surprised by that he's very very well liked he's he's um done a lot with the board he's he's another guy who's very involved with the community um he's been involved in you know in and and little league and and veteran stuff and San Janeiro feast every year and um yeah. and and he didn't quite make it and again i wonder if that just speaks to the difference between the 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 two committees and you know and how how well financed the campaigns were and how well you know i think the democrats again did a good job of getting the vote out
4: yeah i mean i would really like to see when the district breakdowns come down who yeah. the turnout was especially low in Hampton bays cuz account for some of all of this
0: yeah well i think again maria moore did really well i would imagine western half of the town being the you know mayor west hampton beach and and all that so you had two western candidates opposed to each other but but yeah cindy was huge in hampton base and and joe county level who's the exact exact opposite right i mean the the republicans gained some seat on seats on the on the legislature and and Ed Romaine, you know, won the uh, county executive race.
2: Yeah, I mean not not really any great surprises, I don't think, across um, you know, the rest of the island where you know I, I, Ed Romain was uh, gonna be the clear favorite to replace Steve Ballone as the Republican candidate. You know, it's been Ed's been around for forever and um you know as soon as uh, you know we kind of saw his name officially <laughs> as the candidate, you know, it seemed pretty clear that he would be able to uh, you know uh, ride those uh republican strongholds throughout the, uh, the county to to get that republic you know flip that seat from democrat back to republican for uh the county executive and now they've added to the legislature um even though the uh, democrats held on to the seat um for that was held by um uh, Bridget Fleming. so they you know retained that but then flipped the uh the seat that Al Krupski had um so um I also do want to mention, um, in the town races, the one supervisor race that uh, not quite settled yet was actually on Shelter Island, where uh, it was about a 44-vote difference between with the uh, Republican candidate uh, in the lead as of now, and um, uh, hasn't uh, declared victory just yet, and, and they're going kind to of wait it out, it seems, for the absentees to get counted. Uh, last total I heard, there was, I think, 83 um, uh, absentees. and. 51 of those are Democrats, so, you know, there's a, there's a, a possibility that could, um, you know, change the outcome there, although, uh, you know, based on, you know, the numbers, you would assume that the Republican candidate will win there, and that would uh, flip that seat uh, from a from a Democratic uh, supervisor to a Republican, mm. and uh, it's, it's amazing how close these uh, races have been on Shelter Island, and I mean, remember last year with uh, the vote on the... Uh, Pawtucket Bay Community Housing Fund. That was a very, uh, a very divided issue and was extremely close and uh, um, you know, separated by, you know, like basically like a handful of votes. And um, and now we're seeing uh, this election uh, again, very, very, very close. So uh, it's interesting to see how kind of a uh, you know fifty fifty the island has become on on some of these um, uh, some of these issues and 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 what the kind of future uh, of the island that people want to see there
0: might might be a turning point for uh for Shelter Island a little um so so in that I, I know that uh, you were involved we did a podcast with um Kathy Burke Gonzalez the other day and and her and she and and Maria Moore um uh, you know elected to Southampton supervisor to um two two women supervisors and and you know um Kathy mentioned that um it's the first time that there's been a, a, a female supervisor in East Hampton in a couple of decades. That's really empowering. Right.
3: Yeah. To, to I mean,
0: that.
3: Yeah. I, you know, I think that, that well, someone like Kathy, I mean, she's been on the board. That's the other thing. It's like, you know, these women are there, you know, and they've been they've been on the board. They've been doing the job. So. Um, I think what's, um, it's, it's nice to see her get up to the top position, I think. And, and I felt like, you know, her opponent, um, Greta, what was Greta's last name? I can't remember Greta's last name. She, she, she seemed very, um, very lovely, but, you know, didn't have a lot of experience in, in, um, any kind of government. And I think that was, you know, the deciding factor for a lot of people is that, you know, very earnest, but, um, but I don't know, we've talked about this before, the whole idea that, That we'd like to see candidates who have done the work you know the ones maybe who have served on some advisory boards or have been involved in the community in some volunteer activity or um, have been you know at least kind of tapped in or at least you know showing up regularly at board meetings and um and you can i can definitely see that you know kathy's done done the work there and i don't know i feel like east hampton even though there hasn't been somebody in the top spot for supervisor, you definitely see women, um, at other levels, um, working throughout the town, you know?
0: Sure. Well, and and in Southampton too, I I think, um, Cindy, you know, being on the board and and she's going to remain on the board. And I think, you know, both, um, I I think uh, Maria Moore is going to have a a bit of a learning curve, you know, um, transitioning from, um, a village mayor to, to town supervisor. But I think there's certainly, um, enough people around to uh to to get her up to speed um it'd be interesting i I think they're both towns are in 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 good hands um
4: yeah i think that's the case on shelter island too as far as amber brock williams goes she's been on the board for quite a while and as the deputy supervisor and um, i think her leadership style has also been in sharp contrast to the current um democratic supervisor who's made a lot of enemies in his time there and um, might have had a big role in why the re- supervisor race is leaning Republican on Shelter Island, and the and the town board seats aren't, because um, everybody's sort of a little bit tired of the leadership style that's there right mm. now.
2: Right, the current supervisor actually lost a primary, so that's right. Yeah, didn't it wasn't even you know running for re-election because uh, didn't make it past the primary that uh, was won right. by Gordon Gooden. Right.
1: am um, I'm wondering uh sort of behind the headlines conversation. Do, like, do you do you guys ever feel like, okay, why do we spend so much time and energy covering these elections when people don't really seem to care about them? Like mm-hmm. I, I mean I feel obligated to I on on principle, but you know well, we're the only ones Is there any point to what we do? <laughs> <laughs>
4: like <laughs> I mean um, yes. I mean we we cover these people every day um and 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 you know we're going to have five new town supervisors on the east end next year um all brand new to the job so it's going to be really different and we're going to be talking with these people every day so
1: we need to yeah, be Yeah but like the what's the difference like I mean you know you when you have like what like if 5000 people can <laughs> out of 24000 can elect the supervisor, and you know you see, you know, you see the the numbers for the most part on stories about you know town government stories on in your analytics, right? I mean, it, they're like the lowest of everything, right? But yet it's kind of like a disproportionate amount of our energy and time. And um I mean, I feel it's important yeah. in the way I feel you know school coverage is really important, but you have to wonder like what can we do to convey that sense of importance to people that we're not apparently doing. Like, I don't feel like our coverage has an impact on voter turnout, for example. Right. Does that
4: stress anyone else? (laughs) You're right. Um, But I mean, the the people who care about the issues and the people who vote and the people who show up for public hearings are also the people who are reading local newspapers. So it's part of an ecosystem that we have to fill
0: hopefully we we've helped inform the the electorate the ones that that, that do, do turn that out, do to turn out.
1: <laughs> <laughs> what um, about the other 80% of them
0: <laughs> i don't
2: know or we have people eat their well, broccoli do, do we
3: take do we take offense when people don't vote for the people we endorse too no um, we don't okay. endorse so, we
2: don't, I
3: don't endorse.
1: but
2: i mean
1: <laughs> I, it's almost like i take offense that I'm not a, that not any more
2: people are like engaged They're in it mm-hmm. yeah. yeah well on, on election night i uh i kind of stopped uh in my tracks and started laughing when i was reading one of our stories just one of these you know kind of talking to the voters out of the polls um you know throughout the day and there was a quote from one person in you know the western part of the island mm-hmm. and the quote was something like uh it's like I, I i never heard of any of these people and i just you know voted down the party line or something like that mm-hmm. it's like Mm-hmm. Wow, man! Like you go know, to the polls, you don't even, like you have not even check to see who who anybody is, and so you know I think that you know out on the east end with um, all the uh, media coverage that is there, what, what everyone is doing, it is um, you know a, a kind of a unique area where people do have great access to a lot of information about the candidates, where maybe in some other areas of the island that's not as readily available. And, and I, I would to say
1: there still a lot of people who never heard of the candidates, no matter what. Like. That's true, yeah, you know? and and maybe that's a reflection of our market penetration as like news organizations. I don't know, but you know, I you, it makes you it it causes you to like stop and think, <laughs> like, well, wow, um, what could we what could we be doing better? Like, how could we be communicating with more people to you know well, get to garner their interest in what's going on around them? And what, I, you know, you, you, I, I you mean, this reminded me like.
4: In college, we had like a question of the week in our newspaper. And one week our question was, How do you feel about student apathy? And everyone we asked said, Well, I really don't know anything about
2: <laughs>
1: I don't care. I don't know.
4: Right? You're, you're talking to the wrong people if those are the people you're talking uh, to. You, I, I don't know.
0: Yeah. When when we when we used to do the um the and, and the Mauritius paper, which we stopped doing a number of years ago. We used to do the uh, question of the week, and we would send um, a, a photographer reporter out every week to to ask people questions. And we had to stop asking questions about um, Brookhaven town government and county government because people just didn't have, you know, an opinion or, or, or an answer. But, um, you know, so it was, you know, who's your favorite football team? <laughs> it turned into stuff, and we <laughs> kind of stopped doing it. And, and I guess... It gets a little discouraging, uh, Denise, and especially that you know the week after the election when we're all really tired. But but I think you know, but Beth 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 said it that the the people that do vote and the people who do care, I think, count on us for um, you know for the information that we provide and you know and the and the voter guides that we do and you know and and they're the ones that that are voting and hopefully you know in time as. As different issues come up, um, you know, and I'm thinking of like Rowdy Hall in East Hampton, where, you know, all of a sudden you've got this swelling of people who care about, um, you know, the facade of of the, the restaurant and the color of the restaurant and wondering why the town is coming in and telling them they can't paint their restaurant a certain color and you get people excited or you get people excited in, in calverton and waiting river over a jet port who you know maybe you know you find those issues and those issues then bring people in and they start paying attention to the media and maybe next time um maybe next time they vote and next time they're paying attention to who they're voting for you know or, or when their tax bills go up a little bit maybe they're going to care a little bit more too, hopefully, um, I. I
2: yeah, I was gonna say. I mean, I'm obviously in the media business here, and you know, I think I'm fairly in tune to what's going on. But I live in a village, and honestly, I probably couldn't tell you all five people who are on the my local village board. I mean, I don't know who the mayor is, I know him, but uh, if I if you asked me to name all every person on the board, I probably couldn't do it. Yeah.
0: Okay. Um, that was a showstopper. <laughs> <ever, honestly. laughs>
1: I didn't
3: so know there was going to be a quiz. Like,
0: <laughs> <laughs> no, no. I, I think we're doing a good job, Denise. This is, uh, you're listening to Behind the Headlines um, on WLIW FM. I'm Bill Sutton from the Express News Group. My co host today is Annette Hinkle from the Express News Group. Our panelists today, Beth, uh Beth Young editor and publisher of the East End Beacon, Joe workmeister staff writer from Newsday, um, and pessimistic Denise Civiletti editor of Riverhead local um, so by the time this show airs it's it's probably most of the Veterans Day um uh recognitions will will have been over, but um certainly we should we should say something we're recording um we're recording this on Veterans Day and I know we had a couple. Veterans Day stories um in, in our paper this week. And um Denise, I know that you're you're working on a on a profile um right now. Do you want to wanna, wanna uh, talk about that a little bit a a certain veteran?
1: Sure. Um the former VFW post commander um by the name of Joe Edler, um, is um On his way right now, this is Friday morning, he's on his way upstate to meet the family or surviving sister and other family members of a buddy of his who was killed in Vietnam right in in front of him uh, in January of 1968. Someone he's been trying to track down, uh, you know, like where where his grave is and does he have any surviving members. It's been like bothering him. And he's been trying to find this for like a number of years. Um, mm-hmm. And he was, uh, you know, doing the um, the poppy donations and I was standing. He organizes that in Riverhead uh, for the Riverhead VFW. And he was outside of uh, ShopRite Sunday. And um, I stopped to make a donation. I started chatting with him. He is um, kind of notoriously, in my mind anyway, really um Notoriously, I don't know. That's not the right word. But he's a very quiet guy. He's like hmm. if he said ten words to me until this week, um, you know, over the years. And I mean, I've tried to interview him on a number of occasions. He's just he's this big burly guy, and he, you know, and we started talking outside a shop right, and he starts telling me that he's going up state to meet the family, and he starts crying, and. He was more talking, said more words in that one conversation than I've ever heard come out of his mouth. And we're standing outside the shop right crying. Um, And it was all because his wife was late picking him up. So it was her fault that I got this story, her fault. I credit her. Um, And so it it turns out that um, it's in a very weird kind of really local way um, he connected with or is about to connect with. The surviving sister of this friend of his who was killed he was injured he's a purple heart bronze star veteran um he was injured in that in that um the guy triggered a booby trap landmine and um he got joe got shrapnel in his midsection um He um, he and his wife go to Papa Nick's, which is this iconic um, Riverhead luncheonette on Main Street, owned by a third-generation owner proprietor who's cooking breakfast. He's there every day, doing you know running the grill. Anthony Maris, and um, they've always seen this other couple that they say hello to, but because they see each other there, they come on Thursdays. uh, This other couple, (laughs) and um, you know for one reason or another. He struck up a conversation with, I guess it's a manifestation of this is really bothering him. He really wanted to do this. He's 79 years old now. And, you know, he this was a a loose end that he wanted to tie up, I think. But he struck up a conversation with this other couple one day. And he started showing them photos on his phone of different things having to do with Vietnam. There were three other guys that were killed in a separate incident that he was there and He was the only survivor of these four guys. Um, But he um, he's so he's showing us these pictures and the woman is looking at them. And when she gets to this, a picture of this one thing from the Vietnam veterans wall um, website, um, she like took the phone, his phone and put it to her heart. And he tells me, you know, started to cry because she's from that town where this guy grew up in her- Herkimer upstate Herkimer New York and um she by that evening she had tracked down that she knew the family and by that evening she tracked down this his buddy's sister who's now 84 years old wow and spoke to her and she realized then that she didn't know what this man's name was <laughs> at the at the luncheonette um and um so that early the next morning, she call, she calls the luncheonette and said, "Look, this is probably shot in the dark, but you know, I, we see these people there, and you know, he's a, and she guessed described him. And of course, Anthony, being Anthony, he, you know, he, he knows everybody there. and And he says, "Oh, yeah, Joe Edler. <laughs> and um he actually um she then was able to find Joe's and Margaret's phone number online. And called them, and and so they met at the diner again yesterday. I I went there and sat and talked to them and stuff. But it was just a really amazing story. With it was an amazing story without her finding 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 this out through you know Anthony Maris, uh while he was busy making you know fried eggs that morning. But well, um, it's, certainly... it's it's a really cool story. He's on his way up there now, and there he's going to meet the sister. He bought a grave marker. For his friend's grave, and um, he's uh, he's going to the Veterans Day ceremony there tomorrow at the VFW Post, where they named a room after um, his buddy, whose um, name was Philip Cirillo. Um, and um, I don't know, I was just, you know, it's sitting a, around crying with the, these guys.
0: It's a fantastic uh, story, Synchronicity, yeah. right? It's,
1: it's uh, you know, just mentally. kind of like a strange you know, confluence of coincidences if there is such a thing know.
0: we we did a, a a short story this week on uh, amanda martino um who um she's a, a lindenhurst native and she's a brookhaven resident now but she's going to be speaking at um at the hampton bays um uh veterans day event and if you're listening to this on saturday morning you can probably still make it over there um at the uh, American Legion Hall on Pompaega Avenue begins at 11am she's a uh two-time purple heart recipient she was in the in the marines for a number of years and now she's um stationed with the um air national guard at one, 106th uh, rescue wing at, at Kabreski airport um and um she's just it, it just i somebody that i mean she's you know she's um you know air national guard so it's kind of a part-time thing now but um what what struck me about the story is these are just these are these these veterans now are just your friends and neighbors and you may not know that um you may not know their story or their history that that they served but they um certainly need to be recognized i think as the as the media sometimes we get pegged as this you know left left wing anti anti anti-war you know group and all that but we certainly respect um Respect the service and the people that have um, that have uh, offered everything for um, you know for to protect um, our freedoms and and our rights and um, that I think it's important to uh, to recognize them all this uh, this Veterans Day.
1: Well, you know, especially as like the veterans of the Vietnam War um, grow older, um, and they certainly are growing older, and you know, it's um, they were kind of in a category by themselves in the way of veterans. Um,
0: they were and, get cast cast aside by the older veterans who didn't realize that they were fighting a real war over there.
1: And, and just that by the way the, that war was viewed, you know, by people in the country, I mean, it became very much despised by a lot of people. And, you know, I mean, it, you talk to Vietnam... Veterans, they all have, you know, pretty seem to all have stories about how, you know, when they got off the plane in an airport in their uniform, when they were discharged, people saying nasty things to them, you know, um, and, you know, calling them all kinds of names. And because they were, they people equated the soldiers who served in that war with the war itself, which a lot of people considered an illegitimate war right and and um so you know they're in like a different category up until that point in time i think every veteran was revered by the public and you know they that that's not what their experience was at all and um you know speaking for myself these guys are just like you know a little bit older than than i am and you know the ages of the older brothers and cousins of people I knew who whose family members, you know, got drafted and went to Vietnam and some of whom never came back. Um, but it just got caught up in that anti-war movement. And, you know, they never really got the same recognition that other veterans got.
0: Well, and I, I think, too, I'll, I'll piggyback on that. I think that 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 the people that the the men and women that fought in Iraq and Iraq and Afghanistan, um, that was such a long twenty year war that that there was no coming home for them. World War II, you know, when when it was over, you had that coming home and the veterans were recognized. I, I think with Iraq and I've, Afghanistan, it was you know this this rotating, um, you know rotating um conveyor belt of veterans you know people going off to war and coming back and never having um any any kind of of recognition that way no no date uh you know no end of the war no date to celebrate them and these are 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 men and women that just uh, kind of filtered back into into society without without real recognition which is why again veterans day is So important.
3: Well, I think also you have both Vietnam and I, you know, in Iraq and Afghanistan, they were murky wars. There weren't defined goals. And I think that has fed into that as well. You know, it wasn't like, those are the good guys, these are the bad guys. And, you know, it just seems like there's, it's just so um, murky as far as when do you win, you know? And when your part is that part on the ground,
4: your, your mission is clear to you, but back home, the people back home Do not see it right? right And that's a failure Of leadership really On the part of uh, People in charge Of our country
0: Yeah
4: um, But Everyone who served Thank you
0: This is Behind the Headlines um, I'm Bill Sutton From the uh, Express News Group I'm joined by uh, My co-host Annette Hinkle From the Express News Group Beth Young From um, From the East End Beacon Denise Civiletti From Riverhead Local and joe workmeister from newsday um let's uh, find a more upbeat tone <laughs> um so the uh the rooster ban in in riverhead was fairly short-lived denise right it didn't uh it was a proposal to ban roosters and and to kind of um kind of dictate how how chicken coops would uh um, you know, would work on on residential properties, and there was a a public uproar. Apparently, um, yes, there was, <laughs> and, uh, See, the and, and they killed it, it. it. Right? What were
1: you thinking? <laughs> <laughs> I, I know. I think, I think that's what Tim Hubbard was like. <laughs> like, what was I thinking? Um, we, you know, this was like a week before the election, and he brought this to the table, and uh, there was an immediate uh, uproar, and um, he very quickly said, uh, well, wait a minute. This maybe this wasn't a good idea. Um, you know, people, I mean a lot of people have chickens. Like, you know, it's still that kind of place, at And there's, you know, um, and, and people were like, you know, you, what you're gonna dictate like the, how big my coop can be or must be or can't be, and you know, all this other stuff, plus the rooster ban, you know, that was like that was oh, an outright ban. Really
4: an <laughs> like so,
1: you know it was like he just said that okay never mm-hmm. mind <laughs> it was smart of, you know him to do that but uh politically savvy move
2: yeah, if, just, politically if you live in a town
4: move. where roosters are banned come to riverhead
0: yeah, yeah. <laughs> my, so. my my neighbors will will help you out they uh That that guy's uh, crowing every, every morning. But, uh, you know, I said it last week, I'm so used to it now, I I barely even, even hear it anymore. But it felt like a little bit of a grab from from the town, because here's the town going to come in and tell everybody, you know, how to how to run their chicken coop. And, and, you know, that just leads to, you know, code enforcement and fines and, you know, and all kinds of stuff. And it just, you know, you know feels like a money grab a, a, a little bit um i'm sure it's yeah, some like real a weekend, concerns like, but
1: uh, the futility of it really like how is that it was never going to be enforced except very selectively against some people that get you know complaints well, made about them right and the
0: neighbor neighbors complain yeah. and the town gets in the middle of uh, i'm
1: sorry to disappoint you bill
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah i was counting on that you know i was going to complain
1: but um, yeah,
0: so 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 from turkeys um,
1: are allowed everywhere. I'm yeah, sorry. right.
0: <laughs> so so from roosters, let's let's talk about uh, scallops, Beth. So we're, again, the uh, the course, scallop scallops. season, scallop season. They're opened.
4: acting like they're banned.
2: <laughs> yeah,
0: right. It opened in in Southampton this week, and I think in in East Hampton uh, waters next week and um and and once again there was a a massive die-off but i know that mike wright um our reporter wrote a story he talked to some people and it it felt like you know there there may have been a few more scallops um this year than than the last couple years but it's still it's still a grim outlook right
4: yeah i mean i think a lot of people weren't going out opening day for the traditional, you know, Monday before Election Day opening, opening day uh, free-for-all. So, um, so I'm, that, that might bode a little better just for the long-term vitality of the season. Um, one thing that has been happening over the past several years, you know, there's always a lot of media attention when opening day is a bust, but there are the spring spawn scallops, which mature two years later, the, fo- the following fall. Um, But there's another spawn in the fall, and that spawn happens at a time that the conditions are different than the spawn at which all the scallops are dying. So these fall spawn scallops are living in cooler waters and uh, that have more oxygen in them through the winter. So those they're finding later in the season. So um, I I think that will probably play out this winter as well, where the, the spring will be a little bit better, but there won't be as less... Uh, there won't be as much media attention as there always is in November to what happened to the scallops, but mm-hmm. um, there's still some there. There's still some hardy ones. Um, there's still a push afoot to try and um, selectively breed the ones that are more tolerant to higher water temperatures. But I mean, I don't know in the long run, and I don't think anyone knows in the long run how 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 much hotter it's going to keep right. getting and
0: well, I, I mean, yeah, I mean, there's other 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 factors involved, um, but but mostly I think this is being attributed to to, you know, to climate change. Right. I mean, it's warmer waters that, you know, that are kind of killing off the scallops.
2: Yeah.
4: So. Um,
2: so go
0: well, get them while you can get you, them. Right.
4: If you if you think you're going to if you do think you're going to save the scallops by not eating them. um I, I would just say um, they only live for two years and they're only allowed to be harvested in their second year. So these are scallops that um, are not going to live much longer.
3: That's an important thing to say. So people who think you, that they're you should doing the them. scallops a favor by not eating them or not um, doing... Right. They've already... Contributed you might as well enjoy it. them. with some butter and a little <laughs> <in>. Um
0: <laughs> Or, or um, raw, right? I mean... I, or raw. When, when I first to came... To, when That's I first hard. came to Long Island and people said that to me, they said, Oh, we used to just go and, and you know grab them and we would just open them up and, and eat them raw. And I was like, that seemed kind of crazy. And then I went the first year and I bought some from Core JC Food Market in, in Hampton Bays and opened the bag up and ate one raw and it was really, really good. Um, so that was that was kind of a thing too, huh?
3: We we need Gianna Volpe here, she'll help us. Yeah, right. <laughs> For sure. <laughs> we had some the other night. They were very good. A friend of ours is at Bayman. So it's like little, little pieces of gold sitting in our refrigerator.
0: Exactly.
3: Bayman, for sure. I
0: yeah. guess you appreciate them a little more, right? Since there are so few. Um, So we don't have a, a lot of time left, um, Beth, but I, I know that you wrote a, a Great story about the Suffolk Alliance for Pollinators, in keeping with the wildlife theme, I guess. Here, um, <laughs> talk about a little bit of work they're doing. It's a project spearheaded by Cornell Cooperative Extension, um, right, to uh, to kind of help um, promote pollinator gardens. If they have that right? Right.
4: Yeah, and also this idea of contiguous habitat. Um, because we were historically a rural area and we've become very suburbanized. And when you become more of a suburban area, um, whole blocks of land that were woodlands or were a contiguous habitat become lawn and hydrangeas and privet and other things. Um, but um but contiguous habitat is really necessary for pollinators to get to where they're going. Um, and it just means like planting species that they can coexist with in areas um, from like roadsides to your own backyard, to the woods in beh- behind you and just finding these pathways that wildlife can travel through this suburbanized environment. Um, so the Suffolk Alliance for Pollinators um, is a program of the, Mas- the Cornell Master Gardener program, hmm. and uh, and they're joining with other groups like Rewild Long Island. Uh, which has a chapter on the South Fork now, and a new group called the North Fork Pollinator Pathway, which uh, held a seed swap at Downs Farm Preserve um, a couple of weeks ago that I attended. And there were many people bringing like seed heads from their garden and they weren't quite sure what to do with them. And there were other people who knew exactly what to do with them and how to preserve them and what you had to do to plant them in the spring. So it's just this very um, active community of um, educational um
0: and and they're and they're training volunteers on on how to help to plant these gardens right
4: yeah they so they uh there's a spot right next to the custer institute observatory in southhold that um used to be the town of southhold's arboretum it's owned by the town and it has become kind of like an overgrown they, they call it a wildflower garden but it's really a lot of weeds um so they're planting native species throughout this meadow that um that hadn't been there. So they had to clear a lot of vines from from the meadow um, using a, a process called sheet mulch, which is basically um, when you're done reading your newspaper, you put it on the ground in your garden and you put some leaves on top of it. And um, it makes great compost and it's soy-based ink now. So don't hesitate to do that with your newspaper when you're done reading it um but uh they got a whole bunch of kids from the old school to come and help plant the uh, the native plants there and they're planning more in the future and the civic associations are getting involved with maintaining it and uh, it's become a real community effort
0: Right. Do we so think uh
4: Don't pollinator pathway they're on instagram if you want to get involved with their events
0: and and do we uh, we think i mean we've been talking about pollinator gardens for a few years now do you think we're making headway in and helping to 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 save the bees and, and increase that population,
4: I think so. I mean, it's kind of hard to quantify, but
0: yeah, we can't count them, right? And and the bees, you sh- you shouldn't go eat. Like you can go don't eat the scallops, eat... right? But we don't want to eat the bees.
4: Well, where there's bee, there's honey.
0: Aha! There you go.
4: <laughs> I'm right.
0: good. <laughs> All right, so we are uh, we are out of time. This is. Uh, been behind the headlines on WLIW-FM. I'm um, uh, Bill Sutton from the Express News Group. I want to thank my co host, Annette um, Hinkle from the Express uh, News Group, and our panelists, Denise Civiletti from Riverhead Local, Beth Young from the East End Beacon, and Joe Workmeister uh, from Newsday. Thank you guys. Uh, another Another great show. Have a great week.